You're listening to The Business Marketing Show, episode number 87. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Business Marketing Show. This is Ed K. Smith from onlineimpact.com.au, here with my business partner, Alan Stewart, who's all the way over in Queensland. Alan, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? I am absolutely excellent. Thank you for asking. I'm feeling a bit warmer, actually. For some reason, there's a bit of a cold snap here in Queensland at the moment. Yeah, that's unusual. We dropped down to about 23 degrees. Cold in Queensland, not something you hear very often. Uh, it's very cold in Perth. We've, we've dropped down to something like five or six degrees at night. So. Okay, that's, that's really cold. Yeah, yeah, it is cold. cold. But I'm, I came to my office. So, Al, we've, we're going to talk about uh, virtual assistants and, and getting a virtual assistant team uh, or even just one virtual assistant if you don't have a team because it's a, a topic that's talked about a lot. But before we go into that, I want to do a bit of a rewind because a lot of people know we've been working together for 14 years, I think it is. So isn't that scary, mate, 14 years? So a, a little bit of a backstory into how we met. Um, it's a bit of a funny story. Alan and I were at the same marketing conference in Queensland at the Hyatt Coolum and it was called the X10 seminar and it was in September of 2004. Now I think Alan and I bumped into each other, maybe said hello to each other at the conference, but we really didn't get to know each other at the conference. And it was only, I'm not sure how long, a few months, six months later that uh, a mutual contact, um, an American guy who I've forgotten his name now. Uh, um, I think it was John. John. John Mann. John Mann with two N's. Yes. Thick. Uh, John two Mann. Correct. He uh, contacted me one day and said, there's this guy in Queensland called Alan Stewart. You two should talk. I can't remember the exact conversation we had. I do remember the very first conversation I had with Alan when I was, we were both on Skype. And I was standing in my office uh, with my very long lead that I have on my, my headphones. And uh, I had a headset at that, start, at that time. I was wandering around because I, I like to walk around a lot when I talk. So uh, I was walking around talking to Alan. And it turns out that we go, oh, that's right. We were at this conference and blah, blah, blah. And had lots of connections about different things. We we're both in the marketing game. And so we decided to pool our efforts. And the rest is history as they say. Yes. And we've had lots of interesting times, uh, lots of interesting clients over the years. Yes. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> cough, cough, clear. Uh, none, none will be mentioned, of course, uh, and learnt lots of things on the way. And Alan at the moment uh, is doing a lot of work with virtual assistants and putting together virtual assistant teams with people. So we're going to discuss that shortly but i wanted to also go back a step because you're watching this now on a podcast and alan was one of the people who actually got me into podcasting the first person who i ever actually listened to on a podcast was a guy called james martell 
uh, and he had and still does have a podcast called uh, Affiliate Buzz, which I think is one of the longest running podcasts on the internet since about 2001. But Alan started his podcast. It was called The Marketer's Podcast in around 2002, 2003. Um, doesn't run at the moment, uh, but he ran that for a few years, had lots of interesting guests. I was one of those guests, so hence, right. I, hence I know they were interesting. <laughs> um, and that was one of the things that got me started but I didn't start my own podcast, my first one, until 2007, so several years later. Uh, but I learned a lot from Al. He gave me some tips on how to do certain things. So he sort of gave me the uh, the push to get that going. So thank you, Al. Thank and I've you. been podcasting for 10 years now, which is... Wow. Freaking. Really quick. Yes. Very quick. Very quick indeed. So... Uh, mate, give us a bit of a backstory. How did you get into the marketing game? What was it that you were doing before you got into marketing, consulting, um, any of that sort of stuff? Um, <laughs> I was actually a martial arts instructor and I ran a, a chain of martial arts schools and um, I needed to market those schools. And so I started studying marketing Mm-hmm. Um, also studied uh, a lot on behavior management and uh, NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, did a lot of that. And I combined all those disciplines to um, start applying that to marketing concepts. So it was primarily self-serving. And then eventually... Um, I'm not sure how it happened, but it sort of organically I started marketing other people's products and services and then it just grew from there. Yeah, and that was one of the similar backgrounds we had because I was training in martial arts for about 15 years, probably at a similar time, but I didn't have my own school like you. Uh, but at one stage you had several hundred students in your school, didn't you? It was like going pretty crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly, it certainly grew. So the marketing techniques... Um, worked in terms of I guess what I did was learn how to cheat a little bit in the sense that I would leverage one of my biggest learnings was I couldn't understand why at some schools there were a lot of students and then at other schools I do exactly the same marketing and there were very um, few and then one night I discovered that the schools where there was a lot of students there was also McDonald's, a McDonald's store. Uh -huh. And I realised that what they were doing was they were, they were studying the demographics. So we didn't have internet, we didn't have mobile phones, we didn't have the same access to algorithms and the things that we have today. So I sort of thought to myself, hang on, these guys, have, uh, they've got a similar target market to me. McDonald's has got a similar target market. So I just said to my guys, the black belts, what have you, if you could let me know if there's a McDonald's store opening up <laughs> in your area. And what we'll do is that's where we'll start our next school. And um, it worked. We, those schools went amok. So it was sort of um, borrow the intelligence from someone else. That was probably yeah. my first major learning um, because the average age of your student was fairly young. So they would, they would come along yeah. to do their class. Teenagers. Yeah, and they, young and families. They, and they'd go and eat at McDonald's. Yeah, that's it. 
<laughs> they would invite me to go with them. I would say, look, I'm not really interested in, I used to call it McChucks, as many other people did at the time. So it wasn't my um, type yeah. of eating. But I, I did note that, hey, there's, there's some correlation there. Why is there a lot of students everywhere? There's and there's a McDonald's more or less next, uh, next door. So. But see, that's a good lesson. And, and we have this conversation with our clients regularly, don't we? That uh, it's not based on what you think. It's based on what the market thinks. So if the market yeah. is indicating to you that this is what's happening, then you follow that. Uh, a, lo yeah. a lot of people get held up with their, well, I wouldn't do X. Like, right. I wouldn't eat McDonald's. Therefore, why would I have a store next to yeah. McDonald's? So if you thought that way, you wouldn't have had the success with your martial arts stores. So you, you understood the market first. So affirmation is the only marketing genius is the market itself. Yeah. We've, we've said that a few times. You much more than me. It's learning how to subjugate. Yeah, it is. Target market. And um, I think it was Clint Eastwood that said, um, opinions are like assholes and everyone's got one. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, it was opinions don't necessarily um, pay the bills. No, I think we've said that a close second to Clint Eastwood. I think we probably said it more than him. He's probably just said it once and that was it. Yes. And it's been repeated by other people. We've probably said it 10,000 times. Uh, that's hilarious. So uh, in, in terms of current, um, marketing trends there's all sorts of stuff going on everyone's talking about you should be on this platform you should be doing this you should be doing that i think it comes down to there are principles that apply regardless what are your thoughts on being on the most current trendy shiny object social media platform uh, so my thoughts are one should pick one mm -hmm. instead yep. of trying to spread themselves thin so it would be better to be a master of podcasting than trying to be a master of Facebook, Instagram, you know, like if you tr you're trying to master every single platform, it can't be done. And, so and, what, about the, and what about the argument? I'm playing devil's advocate, devil's advocate as I like to do with you. What about if you want to be a ma the master of podcasting as your example, shouldn't you be using all the other social media platforms to get that podcast marketed? Sure. And not to the same extent that yep. you're working on your podcasting. Yep. So there's going to be a small percentage of time where of you would, the 80, 20 rule would apply. So you would be spending 80% of your time working on the podcast, developing it, getting guests, uh, building the site, getting at doing podcast marketing, yeah. not trying to do Facebook marketing and Twitter marketing and all these other things yeah. to the same extent. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you wouldn't use those. You would, you would. Have yeah, of course. So I'm not saying it's not a, no, yeah. but you, yeah. I think the, the challenge is that people try and be an expert and uh, fully deep dive into each of the social media platforms, which that is, unless you you've got a massive team that's doing that, then as yeah. a small business, it's next to impossible because you can't be working uh, on your business and in your business at the same time. You got to you got to pick one. Yeah. So it's just jack of all trades. Yeah. And mo most 
most of these platforms tend to be tend to favor a particular niche or a particular community so there are people there are people who don't between you and i there are people that don't actually listen to podcasts yes there are definitely <laughs> there's a, a ton of people there's people a ton of people there are actually there are people who don't even know what podcasts are yeah still still to this day so that's that may not be your target market if you're running podcasts. True. I only want people who listen there to podcasts. There are people, <laughs> surprise, surprise, there are actually some people who are a little bit over Facebook and don't actually use Facebook. Yeah, they, they, they did have Facebook a big, marketer. <laughs> they did have a big drop in their, uh, in their shares the other day um, due to all the stuff that's going on. I think they had a $120 billion drop off their price valuation. Don't quote me on that, but that's a fairly big chunk of money. That's anyway. So yes, I completely agree. And you've got to know who your target market is and who you're trying to get in front of. And don't try and get in front of people who don't listen to podcasts. If you're a podcaster. Doesn't. So who was it that says, said that a, a niche will make you rich, but if you try to please all the folk, you end up broke. I think it was Alan Stewart. I don't know who said that. <laughs> I don't want to take, I don't want to claim that, but I think it's pretty smart. Again, I think you've said that more than the original person who said it. Well, yes. <laughs> and they would have said a niche, but it doesn't rhyme with rich. True niche. Right. Yeah, true. You got to go for the, yeah. yeah. If you're and in Australia, we're like saying niche. Yeah, yeah. Okay. True. Cool. Too, too true. So the, uh, topic that we really want to dive into on this episode is virtual assistants. Now, a lot of people talk about having virtual assistants, hiring virtual assistants, having a team of virtual assistants. Uh, and it sort of sounds easy and you can, you can use different platforms like freelancer and, um, uh, guru. And there's a ton of them. There's like a gazillion platforms out there for getting individual jobs done. But if you actually want to hire and have a, as a permanent member of your staff, there's a much different process that you need to go through. So you've developed um, and learning with the building of our team of how to get people on board. Uh, you've developed a site called virtualassistantteam.com.au. That's correct. I've got the URL right. Yep, virtualassistantteam.com.au. We'll put that in the show notes. So uh, how did that come about? Was that just because we kept on having clients asking for, uh, you know, oh, can I have a, a virtual assistant or, you know, we've been working with members of your, your team and they're really cool. I need to get one myself. How did, how did it come about? Well, it, I think it came about more out of need in the sense that quite often what was happening is a lot of the projects that, we work a lot with small to medium businesses. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered is a lot of small to business, um, medium business owners are actually time poor. And indeed they're trying to do everything. So they end up majoring in minor things. And that was fine. If that's how they wanted to run their business, that was fine. But it started to impact on us in the sense that we needed their input. We needed their intelligence to be able to help them market their business. Yeah. And then, we're, and then we're waiting. 
and we're waiting. Oh, can you get us this? And we're waiting and we're waiting for, oh no, well, I'm, I've got to do this. I'm sorry, I've been really busy. Oh, I'm sorry, I've got to do this. I've got to answer my emails. I've got to take the phone calls. I've got to do all these other things. And so it, it came about because I said, look, really what one needs to do is to create a don't do list. Everyone creates to-do lists. What we really need to do is to create a don't do list to find all those things that you as the owner of the business really shouldn't be doing. And then delegate that to someone who can do it, probably do it better than you, who will just focus on that so they can free up your time so you can focus on those things that you really should be doing, which is the, one, of the, one of the major pillars is marketing your business. So we needed that um, information from them first. So what happened was I suggested to one client, why don't we get you a virtual assistant, explain the benefits of, of a virtual assistant, recruited a virtual assistant um, for them, and it worked. Mm. Um, and they were delighted and we were delighted. We were happy. They were happy. And then what happened was they referred us to somebody else. So, oh, by the way, I know this person who's in the similar position of mine and I need, they need a virtual assistant. Can you find one? And then it just sort of grew organically from there. And then we decided, hey, well, let's formalize this. We'll put a website together. We'll start um, promoting it. And um, not just to our own clients, but um, new clients as well that specifically after um, virtual assistants. So yeah. yeah, I guess it happened organically then then we set out or plan to do it. Which is often the case with a lot of businesses. The, the, the demand creates the activity of building the business. So, um, so it, it's a bit of a minefield. Like a lot, I know a lot of people who have gone down the path of trying to get a virtual assistant uh, and it ends up not working out well. So uh, in terms of the processes that uh, virtualassistantteam.com.au is working through, what is it that you guys do in terms of making sure that you get the best person or people for the job and for the client? Well, so um, part of our point of difference came about because of the experiences that I had had um, with hiring virtual assistants. And when I say full-time virtual assistants, um, over the years and I remember probably it was probably about 12 13 years ago and I'd gone to a BPO a business process organization I think that acronym stands for uh -huh. to hire a VA and I think at the time it was it was for a full-time worker it was something like uh, $1,400 a month so we're talking 12, 13 years ago to hire this um, full-time worker. So 160 hours per month. Now, as I got to know, this was an Indian VA. It was a little, I call him a little Indian, Indian guy who I, I really quite liked. And I think he wasn't terribly well-trained, but he was teachable. And I think together we end up building something like um, 30, maybe 40 WordPress 
um, websites. We'd set out all these little process maps for him. And I said, well, these are the step and steps. And step one, you do this, step two. And together, I sort of learned how to teach him. And he learned, he was a good learner, so he learned um, from me. So right. the process was then, so this relationship built, but what happened was in passing, and I, I guess he wasn't really supposed to reveal this information to, uh, to me. He, he said he had to go back to his family because it was some family emergency. And I said, oh, so, and he was having financial difficulties. And I said, well, how much do you actually get paid by this company? And it worked out, I think he said he was getting $160 a month. So out of that 15 or whatever, $1,400 that I was paying, the VA was getting $160. Okay. So just to be so clear, just to be clear there, uh, yeah, so you hadn't individually sourced this person. It was through an agency. No. It's through an agency. So, and then, so as over the years, I noticed it was very similar. So the, the agency was taking, was keeping 80% and giving 20% to the VA and probably, and charging, you know, 10 times what they were, were, were paying in some cases to that um, VA. So what we did, because, our, because this was a way of trying to help our existing clients, we sort of turned that upside down and we went the 80-20. So 80% was going to the VA, 20% was going to us in terms of, this is being totally transparent, 20% was going to us in terms of margin, being able to take care of exchange rates, being able to manage those VAs and literally um, halving the cost of a managed VA for our clients. So, and I think what, what gives us the point of difference is that one, we have people, I've got people like, um, you know, we call our project manager, Sherlo, who's been with us to, for close to 10 years. She so has we have yeah, people in other countries. Sorry, I think, we've got, I think we've got a slight delay on our recording here. Um, yeah. yeah, it's hard to believe Sheila's been with us for 10 years. That's amazing. That's, and and uh, I think uh, yeah. from, from memory, she came from that process, didn't she? Because... Uh, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So because having someone in the country that you know, love, trust, and similarly in India, that, um, same with Kushi, who's been with us similar time, actually might be slightly longer than... Um, than even Sheila, maybe uh, around 11. Actually, no, it was Kush who introduced me to a, uh, my first VA, so it's around 12 years. So people that um, we can trust on the ground to find those um, people and interview those people. So we have a pretty um, strict interview process that we go through and um, we use an acronym. We know, you know me, Elle's acronyms. I yeah. have so many acronyms where we actually rate the VA. So R-A-T-E, the R in rate stands for reliability. The A stands for attitude. The T for talent or the skills, the talents. And the E stands for experience. So reliability, attitude, talent, and experience. 
So of those four, let me ask you this, of those four, which do you think is the most important attribute, not just in a VA, but in any um, employee, which do you think would be the most important? I'm heading for the first one, reliability, because it doesn't matter if they've got all the talent in the world, if they're not reliable, I'd rather have someone with less talent and be more reliable than lots of talent and they don't show up. So that's my viewpoint anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And, and we say the same. So the first thing we want to find out is if they're reliable. So if we're looking at someone's resume, most people look at a resume and they look for their experience and they look at their talent. Mm. What I will do is look at their timeline. So if I see a virtual assistant, she's been working at company A for three months. Then she's been working at company B for three months, company C for two and a half months, company D for three and a half months, company E for three months. So how long is she going to be reliable for on average? Yeah. Three months. <laughs> three months. Yeah. So, so when I'm looking at a resume, the, the talent and experience doesn't, doesn't, isn't as important to me as those indications of what, how reliable they're going to be. And sometimes they can have a great attitude, but maybe internet access in certain areas of the Philippines or India, what have you, they just can't get online and it's just not reliable enough for them to be able to consistently do the work. So even though they've got a great attitude, reliability is higher up the hierarchy. Yeah. And, and the truth is when it comes to, Go ahead. Sorry, Matt. I was just say, and uh, and look, we're we're mainly focusing and talking about getting VAs from places like the Philippines and from India, which are the most common. But of course, then there's other areas of people are hiring hiring specific uh, specific tech people. Often, you can get some great people from European countries like Romania and Slovakia and various places like that. But the majority exactly. of people we're we're dealing with, they're going to be in the Philippines. Uh, and in mainly because it's similar timelines. Like the Philippines, the same timeline as as Perth. Perth, so the same yeah. time zone. Yeah, or Australia. Yeah, so yeah. similar. Yeah, yeah, it's very similar. India. Um, often we use Indian people more for high end programming for um, um, app development, those type of things. Mm -hmm. um, that's when we tend to use the Indian people. But when it comes to customer service, um, a personal assistant, then the Philippines would be possibly our, our first choice. And you're right, all those other locations that you mentioned, they're also, you can find extremely valuable talent there um, to help your business um, grow and what have you. So again, just going back, rate, reliability, attitude, talent and experience. The truth is you can look at someone's experience, but um, that VA has no experience at working for you. If they've never worked for you before, day one, if they've worked for you for one day, they have one day's experience. Yeah. That's it. It doesn't matter what they've done before because they've never worked for you. So um, those things should be lower down the hierarchy if, they've, if they're reliable, if they've got a good attitude, the talent and experience will come. Yeah, I suppose they need, they're, they're, yeah, they need to have that core, you know, look, you're not going to hire someone to do, to build WordPress websites that does not have a core 
uh, foundation in building WordPress websites, but they may not necessarily do them exactly the way you want them to be done, but that's that is it. a teachable lesson that you can get them into the processes and systems that your company, whoever that company is, is using and, and help mold them and guide them with that. So, but yeah, but if they don't have the right reliability or the right attitude, the, the other things aren't going to happen. Yeah. So those things are obviously relevant, but we skew things towards again, reliability and attitude. And we're pretty pedantic about um, who we provide as a, as a virtual assistant. So we go through a recruitment process. They have to do at least um, three interviews before we actually present them to a client with us. So they, uh, they interview, um, say firstly with Sherlo or one of our project management um, team. And then if she's um, happy, then we, uh, Shello and I will interview them. And then once they've gone through that process, there's uh, like a, a written um, interview, if you like, that they, they go through. And then once they, if they've gone through those three phases and by this stage, it, it's, it's a bit of a test in the sense that, okay, three times I've had to go through this process. If they get through three times, they really want the work. And that's when we present them to the, to the client. So, um, we do free recruitment. Other companies would charge for those services. We also offer a free trial and we also do a free consultation to find out exactly what the client wants and what the client needs more importantly in terms of are they majoring in minor things? Are they mm. able to leverage their time? in such a way that um, they can take advantage of a virtual assistant. Some people think, oh, well, I, I don't really need a remote worker. And yet I'm not in a situation where I do remote working, but I find it quite humorous because I've seen situation. I'm saying you're remote working now. You and I are remote. You're in Perth. I'm in, in Brisbane. Exactly. This is remote. We're creating a podcast. This is remote work. Some people are in the same building and they're typing to each other on computers. That's, that's virtual. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're messaging each other. So. And I think that's probably one of the core challenges with this business of, of virtual assistants is matching the right person to the client and then managing the expectations of both of them. Because I think a lot of, uh, a lot of clients have weird ideas about what their virtual assistants are going to do. And some think they're, they're 24 hours a day just waiting for a message to come through for them to yeah. leap up and go and do whatever for them, which is not the case. Yeah. They forget that they, they're people. Sometimes um, they treat virtual assistants get treated like a software program. And why doesn't it just respond um, immediate, immediately to my needs, as you said, um, 24-7 and there are also the, the client needs to understand there are cultural differences um, like quite often and then this is something I learned in the in the early stages is that I would delegate a task this is particularly with the the Indian VAs I would delegate a task to them and I would say can you install say can you install WordPress please and 
I was thinking they would install WordPress, they'd set up the hosting, they would add all the plugins, they would do everything necessary that would, um, that would be what I would call a full WordPress installation. Yeah. So then when I'd go back to them and I'd say, uh, did you do, do the task? And they'd say, yes, I've installed WordPress. And I said, well, but there's no plugins installed. Well, you never be asking me to install the plugins, you know? So <laughs> I didn't, because I didn't understand that culturally they needed to be micromanaged. And culturally, the Indians, they expected to be micromanaged. So if you didn't, if it wasn't natural yeah. for you to micromanage, then you would come unstuck because they were expecting it from you. Now, so if you created the expectation beforehand, hey, when I say set up WordPress, I mean add all the plugins, I mean set up the hosting, I mean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then that's it then that expectation, then there's less micromanaging, but you can culturally, there are differences. There are things that need to be understood and addressed. And that's why there's a little bit of training of the client. There's also training of the, a lot of training of the VA to understand the differences in um, culture. Yeah. And the systems and processes are the critical thing that map that all together. Cause if you don't have those, yeah, that's, that's, that's where it all breaks down. Exactly. Whereas if they've got step-by-step -step things to follow, they know what to expect. They know what to do. Exactly. Uh, so lots of process maps. Yep. That's, that's all very, very useful. Awesome. Okay. Well, excuse me. Um, let me, <laughs> let me see. Uh, in terms of how you go about uh, dealing with the client. So a client contacts you, what's the process of when they come through to you, they inquire through the website, they phone you up and they say, we want someone to do X. What are the next steps from there? Well, so the first step is to find out in detail what, um, what X is. So generally what we do is we say, take advantage of a free consultation and then we we map out exactly what their their needs are and it may be that a virtual assistant isn't a suitable for them mm -hmm. um, it may be that what they thought a virtual assistant um, could do um, that they needed what they needed was a bookkeeper they didn't need a pa for example a right. personal assistant or they might have just needed someone who, who could do data entry. They didn't really need a bookkeeper. So sometimes they know they need help. They just don't know what specifically they're doing. And that really comes down to that creating that don't do list. Writing down, like we, as I said earlier, we all write down to do lists all day long. We create these long to do lists. So you've got a long to do list. Now start marking that off. What can I delegate to somebody else? What can I take off that list that I really, really shouldn't be doing? Because as a, especially in small to medium business, you just can't afford to be majoring in minor things. You can't afford to um, try to do everything. You know, so you've got the you've got to you've got to worry about the marketing. You've got to worry about management. You've got to worry about your products and services. You've got to worry about your finances. Those four key areas, and people even those four key areas, if they're not being done, that's a flat tire on your vehicle that needs to be um, fixed. So it's hard to be pumping area pumping air in each one of those tires. Yeah, when 
chances are you're favoring one. You know, most people tend to like working in a particular area. So they really like, maybe they're like us, they really like marketing. But then others don't like marketing, but they really like product development. And then quite often they fall in love with their product or their service more so than they do their target market. So as marketers, we're going, hang on, fall in love with your target market rather than your product or um, service. But they're saying, oh, we, we need the product or service. So it's really yeah. finding that balance between marketing, product services, finance, and managing, management of people. Maybe they don't like managing people. Some people like managing people, but they're not good at those other um, three areas. So we want to find out where they're, where, where they're comfortable, where they're strong, and where they need help. And so, okay, let's, if it's marketing, let's get a virtual assistant who specializes in marketing. If they don't like doing social media, but they, they know they need it, well, let's get, let's get a social media specialist to do the work for them um, yeah. rather than they do it. And, and, it's, and it also comes down to the economy of it. Like I'm still trying to work out when is it correct that you should mow your own lawns? Never, never. It's never well, correct. Well, the only time, I, if you if you are making maybe less than ten dollars an hour, because that's probably what I can pay the local kid to mow my lawns. If you're making less than ten dollars an hour, then maybe it would be smart to mow, to mow your own lawns. But if you're making any anything more than that per hour. That's not an effective use of your resources unless you're doing it for other reasons because it's therapy, because it's, you know, it's time out. Well, then that makes sense. But it doesn't make sense to me to be mowing your own lawns if you're worth $50, $60 an hour more and you go out and spend two hours mowing the lawns. That, that you, mow, you just paid $120 to mow those lawns. So it's the, it's the similar things. If you're mucking around answering the emails and doing all these, these other things, how much value is your time? And that too often we don't consider that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a good point. And I think we've, we've all been guilty of it at times and still are of working on $10 an hour stuff instead of a thousand dollar an hour stuff or $10,000 an hour stuff. Uh, because it really does come come down to it, and a lot of people use that, like a you know the lawnmower uh, example. Um, they say, well, it's on a weekend, and I'm not working on a weekend. Well, you could be spending time with your family. You could be researching a new project. You could be creating a new product. There's lots of stuff you could be doing. But ultimately, yeah, if you just love mowing the lawns and it relaxes you, and it just love the smell of the cut grass and the stones hitting you in the head then fantastic. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, um, but, you know, yeah. I, I have nothing against it, but it does come down to say, you know, there's probably a better use of your time if you really start analysing all the things that you do in your life. Yeah. So that's what a VA is about. A VA virtual assistant about leveraging your time and so that you can major in the major things instead of majoring in the minor things. Yeah. And what about, I get this a lot. Uh, a lot of companies don't want to work with another company if they're not hiring local people. So when I say local Australian people, wherever in Australia they may be, 
uh, and don't want to use overseas people. Now there's, then there's a double edged sword to that is they don't want to pay the price of a local person. So you can't have it both ways, but there's a lot of people. Do you, do you come across that a lot? Um, not as much as I think because we've become more, it's more of a global economy. So people understand, understand that um, point of view. The other thing is that um, your, it gives the company an opportunity to be more viable so they can employ local talent. So quite often I find that the company once they started employing VAs, they got to it, they, their businesses improved, then they end up employing local employees yeah. as well. So they, they employed more Australians because they employed the VAs. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it was like it gave them enough leverage so that they could um, employ local. Before that, they couldn't afford to law, um, they couldn't afford to employ an Australian because they yeah. were too time poor. They were too busy and they didn't have the money. So then the VA made them less time poor. They were then able to make more money. And then because they were able to make more money, it put them in a position where they could take advantage of local talent. Awesome. So, so if anything, I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it's actually helping employment locally. No, that does. It makes perfect sense. And I think if there's a lot of people who are listening to this podcast and they've been thinking about going down this path, uh, I, uh, what are the negative sides to taking on a VA? Do they have to lock into any sort of contract with them? What's the minimum and maximum time that you know they you're typically dealing with uh, with clients okay. and so VAs? There's no. There's not really a lock a locked in period, and there is I guess there's like a what we call it a a convention to say you're still dealing with people. So if you've worked with someone with three months, your circumstances changed, um, and now you're going to let them go. If you let the, a local person go, what would you do for them? you'd at least give them a month's notice. You'd at least, you know, do something right by them. Now, we don't force people to do that, but most people, if their circumstances change, um, I, we had a, um, a person who, was, who had a VA. She was working, loved her VA, but her role changed and she ended up becoming responsible for a whole department right. and had a whole team that were working um, for her and the VA couldn't get past the, the firewall, et cetera, that they had set up. So she had to let that VA um, go because it just, it didn't, it didn't make sense. But even though she let it go, she made sure she paid an extra month. She did all these things um, right by, by the virtual uh, assistant. So you still, yeah, you're dealing with people you're dealing with. It, it is a relationship. It's not a, you're not dealing with a piece of software. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, so yeah. um, we have been talking for a, a good while now and we probably should start winding things up. So any last uh, tips you would say uh, for people that they need to pay attention, whether it's 
going through you guys or whether it's doing it themselves, what's the, the thing that keeps coming up the most, the biggest problem or challenge that you have with virtual assistants that you see all the time? Uh, it's finding the right people. Um, and I would suggest you need to have someone within that country to help you find that um, person. Um, it's just like in employing it, uh, anyone, if you just, the problem with the, uh, with the ones that we'll call them the generic ones, like they used to be called Elance and Freelancer and all these different ones is often what people don't realize is they're working several jobs. So while you might think that you've got a, a, a team member that's dedicated to just you, and this happens with the BPOs as well, where you think you've got a dedic person that's dedicated to just you. They're also dedicated to three or four other um, clients and, that's, and the company is making them do that. They're just creating the impression that they're only specialised in you. So you can get, I, I, I once laughed where I, I, I interviewed a virtual assistant and she said to me, oh, I've already got a full-time job. And I said, well, why are you applying for another? She says, oh, well, I, could, I can do both. Well, how does that work? How do you yeah. do two full-time jobs? Okay, you're working, you're working at Target and you're working at Kmart. So what, what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> I'm working at Target and I quickly run over, change my uniform and now I'm working at Kmart. Now, you can't have two full-time jobs, but um, they, think, they think because they're doing it virtually, they can create the deception. So we want to avoid, we want to avoid those um, deceptions and make sure that, you, that it's win-win all round, that the yeah. virtual assistant wins, that the client wins. If it's a win-win situation, it's sustainable. That's why I've got virtual assistants that have been with me for a decade. Um, and I know that a lot of virtual assistants that work in the traditional BPO situation, you know, they'll BPO hop, they'll last for three months. Yeah. And, then, and then they're going to the next one, they're going to the next one. And they have to, because it's the only way they can make ends, ends meet. Yeah, understandable. Definitely understandable. All right, mate. So people can contact you. Thank you. Uh, they can contact you if they go to virtualassistantteam.com.au. We'll put the link in the show notes so you can follow up Alan Thanks, uh, or uh, anyone who's going to respond to the, uh, the phone call or the inquiry via the website. And if, you th if you've been putting off getting a virtual assistant, and you're unsure of what to do, where to go, uh, Al and the team are the guys to go to because they will absolutely look after you and sort you out. So make sure you contact them and have a chat. So my bestest buddy, we'll leave it. Thanks, this. Matty. We'll leave it at that until we catch up for another time. So thanks for coming on. It's been awesome having Very a chat. Awesome. And uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Business Marketing Show. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher.